Loading. Artist. Audio. Insight. Otcast. Verb. Interview with artists working today. Otcast. Noun. Insights into the work and process. Hello, and welcome to Otcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Loading. Artist. Audio. Insight. So let me just welcome you to Otcast, DC. Thanks, Philip. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> My first question is, when creating a work, do you use any sketches or preliminary work in the process? Um, I don't really use sketches, um, but I would say there's quite a lot of preliminary work. <laughs> so, um, the things that I kind of, I'm interested in or study, um, I think in the last maybe four or five years, I've been more interested in the unconscious. So, um, I might start immediately on the canvas by writing rather than than uh, sketches beforehand. Um, And I use sort of automatic writing. Right. um, Which is a way in to getting lots of kind of unedited (laughs) material. Um, So um, then I start to respond to the things happening on the canvas really. So it's more intuitive. Um, that doesn't mean that there wasn't work done beforehand. It all right. it all kind of feeds it. Um, I suppose. I suppose yeah. It's mainly mainly being able to be free enough or, or uh, open enough to let the unconscious come through. Um, but that doesn't mean it's kind of just, you know, slapping paint about. Um, I'm trying to kind of arrange things on the canvas. Um, it's like a bit, a bit like starting with kind of chaos. Or yeah. I think maybe more chaos <laughs> than the void. You know, people, people say it's, you're staring at the void but I also think it's a void the emptiness is really full (laughs) there's there's so much um, material Um, and so you have to kind of find find something and trying to find something through painting Um, so so each painting is kind of like a discovery really trying to let the paint paint speak hopefully because <laughs> I, I, I love the material of paint so I suppose um, it makes sense for me to work that way uh, yeah so I let it take shape really and it grows grows, yeah. you know, it grows organically I'm responding to different things happening um, I think that if I did preparatory work or preliminary work in the sense of then putting, like having a sketch in the studio next to my work, I think that would make me, I think I'd be too self-conscious. 
in a way. Was that um, maybe because you try to recreate it? I'm not uh, say a sketch. No, I wouldn't do that. No, I haven't. I haven't done that. I, pro- I probably did that maybe. Gosh, when I was studying, maybe at the beginning on foundation, right. a foundation course. I did. I did work from a lot of drawings. Um, but I think now, if it, there is work, there is preliminary work, but I I kind of leave it, and then it gets called up. I think it gets called up in a different way. It gets kind of called up intuitively. Um, so it's there, right? But uh, it's less self. It's less censored. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, it's like there's some kind of I don't know some kind of space or there's like a gap or a leap between the sketches, the preliminary work, all of that is there, but something. Something then happens when you start to paint that's different. <laughs> uh, it's not so much a translation from something, for me, visual, uh, from working from something else visual. I, I, I think I go, to the, I go to the canvas with a, a blank mind. Yeah. It might seem that way, <laughs> but really, I think that all the, all the learned material that you have just gets called up by by intuition, really, and also, yeah, the unconscious again. It's a sort of massive reservoir of information, yeah. sort of residues, the residues from the from everything you've been looking at and that you're interested in. I think. Um, I think for me, it's kind of related to music and improvisation. Yeah. Um, so, if you think of like a kid or an adult uh, bashing away at a piano or a drum kit or whatever it is, um, you, you know the difference between someone who's doing that and someone who's coming from somewhere where they've done a lot of work beforehand because it gets all called up. So, I don't know, like in jazz improvisation, um, the people are responding to one another in split-second decisions. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how I feel about painting. Um, So, to say I start with a blank isn't really entirely right. Um... Yeah, I think I think it's very much like improvisation um, in music, and uh, I think you have to do a lot of preparatory work or preliminary work, as, as you put it in the question. But then you kind of can let it go, or, or you feel like you let it go, so that you can be free with that learning, and you can yeah. rearrange things, and you can create something new um, and that kind of expression um, as opposed to just you know throwing your arms around or uh, (laughs) it it, it involves kind of it does involve organisation I suppose but I think uh, it's very intuitive Um, yeah 
Um, so if I think that, if you know, then I might do a whole heap of um, reading and writing and taking notes and sketches. And, but then when I start the painting, it might show me what I'm really interested in. It, yeah. it kind of um, brings things to light. Do you use any technology in your work, like photos of the computer? Mm, sometimes I have. It's it's rare. I don't work from photos. I don't use photos in the sense of looking at a photo and, and then painting from a photo. But um, I have done things like, I think like you were saying earlier about materials, when materials run out um, and money. <laughs> um, yeah. I have destroyed or painted over a lot of work. Um, sometimes I paint over something because I need to work, and so right. I just prepare myself to lose something else. Uh, but what I do is I usually document what I'm doing. Uh, I take photographs. Um, and so later, and that's usually, like I said, when I've got no money for materials, I might go onto Photoshop right. and, and use those paintings that have been lost uh, or destroyed or painted over or whatever um, and I start to play with them kind of digitally uh, manipulating them and making layers and playing with the space spatial kind of qualities of it and maybe using text as well but I haven't really put that kind of work out there for people to see only a few bits on my blog uh, right. I think Stephen uh, in Have You Met, his blog, Have You Met? Yeah, Stephen McGill. Yeah, I think he picked, he chose a picture that kind of surprised me. But that was that was one with, uh, I did with using Photoshop and an old painting and some text. Um, and also, I use the computer more for my more sort of cartoony drawings and stuff that I have fun with. Um, yeah. Different kind of fun. <laughs> so, but that's more to to do things that are simple, you know, like add colour or change a contrast or uh, scroll in some words or something. Yeah. When did you fall in love with art? I feel like you became an artist. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that's, that's a funny question. Uh, <laughs> I think it's always been there, really, as far as I can remember. Um, so I fell in love and I carried on loving it um, my mum she took me to see Mark Rothko when I was three and a half and that, oh, yeah? I remember it clearly <laughs> and I also remember her taking me to see Picasso um, and also you know kids you're always making things aren't you when you're a kid yeah messing around with paint and stuff um So I think there was always a really, yeah, I think I kind of fell in love with with painting and drawing a lot when I was young. I, I, uh, I remember we were, my mum also took me to the National Gallery and we had, um, we had the catalogue and I, I just used to be obsessed with that book. And I, I mean, I must have been about, I don't know, seven? Yeah. And I can remember... 
looking at the, the, the painting um, The Baptism of Christ by Piero della Francesca, which is in, in the, in the catalogue. And um, I was mesmerized by it. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, you know, wow, how can somebody sort of move some stuff around on, with some other things, uh, on some other stuff? And uh, make it have that that kind of like a, a new incarnation or something, um, and also because they, coming from um, sort of an Italian background, I used to go to Italy a lot as a kid, and I collected stones, um, and I remember finding lumps of marble or stuff on the beach, and I used to collect them, and also you know if we went to Rome and stuff, I'd see. <laughs> lots of amazing marble everywhere and art in general and um, I remember when I saw the Piero della Francesca painting in particular I can remember being very mesmerised by his flesh because I just thought yeah. it looks like marble it, it, and it seemed like some kind of magic or alchemy had happened you know, here's this guy he's got something really simple um, some pigments and some, I think it's temporary, that painting, um, and, and, and done something that seems like a, a, a magical kind of mystery. And then, um, I think also in the same book there was the Goya portrait of Isabel, um, with all that black lace and kind of flesh and stuff, and I used to stare at that a lot. And just think, wow, you know, paint, serious, <laughs> serious stuff, and, and in the right hand. Um, and I used to copy. My mum also took me to see Raphael. Um, and I remember I had the catalogue from that as well. And I would just copy all. I tried to copy all the drawings from it. That's when I was about eleven. So I was always really kind of quite obsessed with um, the whole thing. It didn't, uh, I thought everybody was, if you know what I mean. I didn't think it was unusual to, to, yeah. to be so interested or um, amazed by materials being transformed in that way to make something that had such an effect. Um, so, yeah, that, that painting, Piero della Francesca and, and the Goya, and the Raphael, I think they were times when I was becoming more conscious of my, my love for falling in love with art. But um, I'd say it was really early on. You know, like I said, the, the, the Rothko, I still remember it. And I was three and a half. I had to double check if that was the case. And my mum said, yeah, I was just wobbling around. <laughs> you know, and so you can imagine what that did to me because... They're big enough for for an adult, so that was yeah. completely overwhelmed. Um, so yeah, and also my mum did drum a lot of, in a very biased way, a lot of Italian art. You know, into my mind's eye, like Caravaggio, Leonardo, Raphael, and Giotto, and, and all of these people. Um, so I think. Yeah, I think she probably really encouraged, she showed me things that I might not have come across um, 
otherwise, but I think that as a child there was just a natural love. I had a natural love for, for materials. I used to like carving things. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, stone collecting. And <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be an artist and I wanted to be an archaeologist. They're the two things I wanted to be. So I think that's, does that answer the question when I fell in love? Of course, yeah, that's a great, you had some great early experiences yeah, there. Yeah, I did, definitely. Shift gears a little bit. How do you feel the computer or the internet helps or hurts an artist? Yeah, uh, I think a few years ago I might have been a bit more grumpy about that one, but actually I think it's brilliant. And um, I think the only... I don't know what the negative would be or the, the what hurts. I can't think of how it would hurt an artist. The only thing I can yeah. think of is you've got to go and see the paintings in the flesh, really. Yes. Yeah. You're not getting the physical qualities of it on the screen. But apart from that, I don't see how it, how it hurts an artist. Um, I think it helps greatly. I mean, I met new people. I don't mean just on Facebook on the screen, I mean, I met them, met them in the outside world. Uh, oh, cool. We, I wouldn't have been speaking to you. Um, right. Not for the internet. Um, um, I was approached by a fabulist, by Francesca Goodwin. I was approached by her to join uh, a collective. If I hadn't been on the internet, that wouldn't have happened, probably. Or it might have taken a few more years. Um yeah. You, you get to see new work, um, you get to go to see new shows, don't you? You get invites to stuff that you might... Yeah, otherwise. it's very yeah. social or community. Aspect. Yeah, and you get to share resources, all sorts of stuff. Um, so, um, maybe somebody was saying to me the other day that with the internet... Um, so there might be a confusion between information and knowledge and knowledge not being the same as information <laughs> so there's a lot of information um, yeah it's <laughs> you can easily look something up and, yeah you don't and it doesn't necessarily always stick yeah you don't necessarily know it in your bones do you it hasn't necessarily yeah, become yeah. part of you, a part of your life or you haven't kind of kind of drunk it drunk it in or let it sink in so but really, I think that the um, the helpful sides of the internet outweighs anything. Anything. I mean, I don't know. How could it hurt? What do you think? Do you think that it hurts? Helps? How could uh, it hurt? Well, a lot of the things you're saying, just for, like I said, the community or social aspect, to get, make connections, make friends. Mm -hmm. um, but, like you said, I mean, the... The painting and the physical, mm. it will never be replaced, mm. and hopefully it's not. <laughs> and the only thing other than that that I think helps or hurts is uh, just presenting yourself in the best way possible, given the, the limitations of the Internet and a digital image, mm -hmm. just taking good photographs. Right, of the work. Of the work, yeah, mm. which I'm not very good at. No. <laughs> well, have you got a decent camera? I need to upgrade. Yeah, That's the really problem. Yeah, I don't want to blame the camera, but but, but it does make a big difference, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've seen digital cameras that cost, you know, one thousand five hundred pounds, 
and I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a camera because that's a lot yeah. of paint, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, so, but it does make such a difference to the detail, the texture, the surface, everything that you get to pick up. My camera's really not very good at that. Yeah. I think that's why I take uh, the, de- the close-ups. The yeah, that makes a lot of sense. To yeah. sort of show, you know... <laughs> Yeah. The, the details and the yeah. surface What's quality. missing from the whole photo. And my, cam- my camera, yeah, it's just a, a cheap thing, so <laughs> I do the best I can with it. <laughs> Next, EC answers the question of what feeds your work. So I think what feeds my work would be experimentation really, and then also, I suppose, being able to think about it later on and reflect, because sometimes uh, you can change your mind (laughs) about what you thought something was about. You see new things. Um, So I think what's feeding it specifically, I don't know if you mean subject-wise, it's quite a difficult question to answer. Um, I don't know, like, subjects can be a very rigid word or a very rigid thing to apply. Like, you're trying to identify the work as being about something. Um, so, I know, like, the other day I was asked to write, I had to, they said, oh, please write in three sentences what your work is about. Oh, goodness. (laughs) I have a question similar to that. (laughs) And I thought, um, how do I even begin? (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, It feels like it's misleading sometimes to to be too precise. um, Yeah. Because it's such such a lot of stuff feeds feeds the work. I know you've um, mentioned some of that on your website, on your blog. uh Uh-huh. What did I do? that mean? In what, what sense? What was I... Well, you said something about one of the reasons why your paintings are untitled is because you don't want to direct the viewer too much mm-hmm. and just let them experience it for what it appears. Yeah, I also think that other people can sometimes... <laughs> well, not tell you what your work is about. Definitely, um, we, I don't know it all. I don't, I don't know at all. And I think it's... Uh, I think it might be good for me to not talk too much about about it because the life <laughs> the life of the painting is in the work and I think that might be actually partly what feeds my work is that struggle between words uh, verbal language and yeah. experience and painting um, and like I think I feel I think the conflict kind of feeds my work, or like the tension between certain things in my mind. Uh, yeah, I love that word for, for you and your work, the tension, mm-hmm. just how you orchestrate that. It's great. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, and also, yeah, it's always back to the unconscious, I think. The, the, the thing, the automatic writing thing I was speaking about before um, does, does feed the work. Um, and then I start to hopefully 
uh, sort of transform it into something else, really. Um, but painting for me is big, kind of bigger than than the personal. So I would say everything, art, life, and everything other, unconscious yeah. uh, language. Uh, my interest in language, and um, I think also psychoanalytical theory as well. I'm really interested in so that feeds my work as well, and usually in in, in a way that's about frustration and duality and kind of conflict and the irrational, all of all of that kind of uh, um, a sort of insi- there's a, there seems to be like an insistence on the objective being superior uh, yeah. to the objective, uh, sorry, to the subjective, and um, I don't agree. And so I feel like I'm, I feel like f- a kind of fight is feeding my work, <laughs> a kind of battle, an internal, yeah. an internal one, because I disagree with myself, <laughs> you know, sometimes. Does that like, you feel like that adds an extra push and pull to your painting? Yeah, I feel like I'm having a bit of a fight, and and it, yeah. and it can go really wrong. It goes really wrong, um, and it gets too mixed up. And I haven't. Uh, it's like really conspicuously confused, <laughs> and so I have to, I have to keep working at that. Um, and and also, if some something might seem quite simple like, say, a triangle in a white space. But how I got there was not by drawing a triangle. The painting goes through through so much before I get there, before I pair it back. And sometimes I don't pair it back. So there's the conflict that feeds feeds me. Yeah. I know you mentioned a few artists already, but are there any others that you'd like to bring up? Have I mentioned? Oh yeah, I was talking about. Uh, yeah, there are. Oh, people I like, work I love. Right. I love uh, Joseph Albers. Really, I love his work. Um, the Abstract Expressionists are really important to me. So, like Barnett Newman, Mark Rothko, <laughs> at the age of three and a half, um, Clifford right. Still, Motherwell, Clifford Still, yeah, Krasner, Lee Krasner, Pollock. I love Frank Stella's work. Oh yeah. Um, Ad Reinhardt. I also really like um, Roger Hilton. Um, there's another artist I I discovered quite late. It's Forrest Bess. I really love his work. And also um, a guy called Alfredo Volpi, who I think he's, Volpi. Yeah, he was born in Italy and um, brought up in Brazil. I think he's self-taught. I think, and I think he was really influenced by Joseph Albers. Um, I like Yanis Kanellis. Uh, I said Robert Ryman, Agnes Martin. Love. Yeah, I really love Agnes Martin's work as well. Yeah. Mhm. <laughs> uh, oh, Milton Avery as well is another one. There's a, the list will keep keep going. <laughs> Yeah, I can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and does it always change for you? Uh, not so much change, but definitely adds. I mean, I, I think there are things that when Sarah was a, when I was a student, 
there are things that um, I would have maybe discarded or not not enjoyed. And then later I find I really like that, you know, that's really, that's really working for me. And maybe, you know, 15 years ago I wouldn't have. So yeah, things change. Our understanding changes, doesn't it? How do you get yourself out of creative block? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't think of it um, as as a block as such. Um, I think I've said this before to you. Um, a creative block. I, I just keep on going. I try not to panic. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, and also, I think, I just see it as being part, it's part of being a painter. Part, that's part of it. It's not, it's not, uh, we all go through it, don't we? Just get it, getting into the studio and, and starting something uh, helps, because that's often where you can start getting inspired again, from the, just from the very materials themselves, you know? I don't know. What, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it's interesting that you say it's um, you're almost like as if it's a part of the process. Mm, I think so. It is for me. It doesn't necessarily remove you from being an artist. Oh, no, no, not at all. Yeah. No, it, I think it's the opposite. <laughs> uh, it takes takes time. We're not tapped. We're not, it's not on tap, is it? It might be. Yeah, it might right. feel Good like it might feel like it is sometimes. Sometimes you know you yeah. have those periods where you just you're you're on a roll, as they say. But um, and then yeah, I'll find myself not working. Uh, but that I think that's incorrect to say I'm not working. I think I am working. I'm just working in a different way. Wait, waiting, uh, learning other things. I don't know. Looking at other stuff. So. I did go through a period of time where I, I say I didn't paint, even though I did. I felt yeah. like I wasn't working. I, it wasn't, you know, it was all wrong. I was listening to um, this really nice video last night of Lee, Lee Krasner. She was quite funny. She was talking about, it's a bit off the subject, but she was talking about having a Mondrian as a dance partner. Oh, yeah. She danced with yeah. Mondrian and Pollock and... She was talking about the different, how they were different as dance partners, but then she went on to talk about um, a period where she just basically had a grey slab in the studio. You know, a, 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 her canvas was just this block of grey, and she was, you know, she was worried about it. <laughs> she didn't know what to do, and uh, it's a problem. You know, it is, a, it is a problem. Things turn to mud often yeah. in my mind and uh, on the canvas. It, it can all go very pear-shaped. <laughs> but then you just carry on, I think. You work through it. Do you have an artist quote you'd like to share? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some quotes. They're not all artists. Is that okay? Oh, that's fine. Um, 
Okay, I think this is one of my favourites. It's by, it's short, it's by Rudolf Arnheim. Um, he was a German, I don't know, do you know about him? He was a German, he was born in Germany. Uh, is, is he a writer? He's a writer, a, a, oh. a, a theorist. He's, he's also, um, uh, what do you call it, perceptual psychologist. Uh, he wrote a book called Visual Thinking. Uh, which I love, and I need to get a copy of it because I don't have it. Um, but he said, all perceiving is also thinking, all reasoning is also intuition, and all observation is also invention. Invention? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, in the, in the very act of observing, there's something inventive going on in each of us. Uh, and also something subjective as well. Uh, I think he uh, he was really fighting for for um, I think what he called it he called it an unhealthy split and a kind of misunderstanding um, in art in education generally to do with um, art being kind of uh, or visual art being. Um, not seen as important and he was arguing that uh, it's actually essential for what he called reasoning power <laughs> that, that we're doing ourselves a disservice to make art something you know for the thick children that's, that's how it was when I was at school I don't know about over there but when, when I was a kid um, art was blocked against subjects like chemistry so if you wanted yeah. to do chemistry and art, you couldn't. You had to choose. Right, yeah. It's a bit absurd, really. It's a shame. <laughs> that There's so many parallels between art and life. Yeah, I mean, art's such a great... <laughs> I mean, you know, the library at... at um, the library at art, art school is uh, has pretty much covers pretty much everything about the universe <laughs> in there, in life. Um, yeah. You got everything from psychology to I don't know uh, particle physics. Uh, but anyway, visual visual thinking he was talking about, um, and and yeah, the split that I think also. Yeah, my other quote I think this kind of talks about it as well. This is by Carl Jung, you know the psychoanalyst. Yeah. Uh, he said we should not pretend to understand the world only by the intellect. Uh, we apprehend it as much by feeling. Therefore, the judgment of the intellect is, is at best only half of the truth and must, if it be honest, also come to an understanding of its inadequacy. Wow. Do you mind reading that again? <laughs> okay. I think I need a drink. I'm going... Um, okay, so he says, We should not pretend to understand the world only by the intellect. We, we apprehend it as much by feeling. Therefore, the judgment of the intellect is at best only the half of truth and must, if it be honest, also come to an understanding of its inadequacy. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, thank you. I, I wanted to hear it again. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, hey? Uh, uh, Fairfield Porter said, the profoundest order is revealed in what is most casual. There you go.
Oh, I love that. I saw that on your blog. Oh, did you? <laughs> oh, I love it. Love it. I like it too. It's quite nice. <laughs> yeah, that's great. He says it quite simply, doesn't he? Right, right. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not perfect, but very fitting for the casual. <laughs> oh, what? Are you thinking of the new casualist? Wow. Is that what you were thinking um, of? Oh. Not, not necessarily, but... That's that's an interesting. I don't know if you want to call it a movement or mm-hmm. it's a new phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, and I I, I read a, a little bit about it a few months ago, but it, it keeps popping up. Oh, does it? Yeah, I don't know so much about it. I've only kind of um, it's only been in the last few months for me as well. But I've been reading and, and looking at that work. Right, mm. and it still encompasses a lot, a lot of different. Mm styles if you will mm-hmm. but somehow they get lumped together in this under this <laughs> the new casualist yeah yeah I think that's a good quote could you use three to five words to describe your work uh, uh, well it's that word again unconscious free association yeah. how many have I got to do uh, three to five. Three to five. Uh, unconscious free association, <laughs> chaos, psyche, and language, I guess. Geometry as well, but... And automatic writing, but <laughs> too many. Oh, that's great. <laughs> too many. Okay, I think that's it. You, you don't have to use just three to five. Uh, it's just something that's... <laughs> I can't count. I'm not good at math. Hmm. <laughs> Here's a snippet of the casual conversation that happened during the interview. Wouldn't you love to see your work as, as someone else with it? Oh, that would not be, be yourself. Just <laughs> to have a look. Yeah. Maybe the closest we get is putting it away for a long time and then looking at it again. Mm-hmm. And you get this surprise. <laughs> oh, I did that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, that happens quite often recently. Recently, I've looked at work and I think, oh, it looks like a stranger. <laughs> yeah, Who, yeah. Who's that? What is that? So this is a quote by Philip Gustin, which I think relates to what we were talking about, mm-hmm. at least as part of it. Mm-hmm. He says, I come into the studio very fearfully. Yeah. I, I creep in to see what happened the night before. Yeah. And the feeling is one of, my God, did I do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Thank you. Alright. Take care. We'll, yeah, you too. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. Oh, no problem. Alright. All right. Bye, Phil. <laughs> Bye-bye, you okay. Bye. This has been Oddcast. Thank you from me, your host, Philip J. Mellon. Keep the dialogue going. <laughs>